uh, it was fairly late, and uh, we decided to go get something to eat. And uh, so, because we very rarely ever eat on healing school days until after the healing school is over. But anyway, we did go by a restaurant, and of course, I, as I've heard y'all, as y'all heard me say many times, I watch very little television. But there was a television set right up above the set last night, uh, where we the table where we were eating. And if you don't watch the news, I guess you don't know what is going on. But sitting there, I watched a few minutes while we were having dinner about a devastating storm by the name of Dennis that's coming into a place in Florida that's going to wipe it out. I mean, it's a Category 4. You know, it's 140 mile an hour winds. And some of the people in some of the places that already came through, I heard them say, you know, I just got the roof back on my house two weeks ago, and it's been tore up for a year. And then down at the bottom, there was a caption, why so many storms? Well, I don't know. I don't know if the world's that dense or if the church is that dense, but I know why. And I have the answer right here, and I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to do what this says to start off with today. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Chronicles 7. And I want you to see the king's answer to the problem. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. This is a well-known verse to most of the church. Uh, They may know it, but they don't believe it. You know, so I want you to... Turn and see what the king's answer is in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I'll give you a minute to get there because I want you to see Second Chronicles seven fourteen. <clears throat> Why so many storms? Why has Florida and all that country down there been so devastated? And it is devastated. You know, I mean, it's devastated. There's Tens of thousands of homes destroyed. And when this thing, if it comes through, and it appears that when I turned the news back on at 11.30 a while ago, just before we left to come over here, and it was about 50 miles off the coast of Pensacola, going north at 18 miles an hour with winds, Stabilized at 140 miles an hour with gusts to 165. You know what that can tear up? Anything in its path. But I want you to see God's answer to why these things are happening in America. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people... Now he's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. My people, the world is not God's. We are. And I think about, I think about the people in the church. In fact, I only minister to the church. I virtually don't minister to the lost world. The people that come to my minister center, almost every one of those people are born again Christians. I'm trying to keep peace in the church. Not with the world. So God is saying here, if my people, if you're a born-again Christian, he's talking to you today. If my people, 
which are called by my name, the name of God, the children of Christ, shall humble themselves. Humble themselves. Get rid of your pride. Humble yourself before God. And pray. And be, don't be like the woman that was on the ship when the captain comes running down. And he says, we're sinking. Pray. And she said, you mean it's come to that? Well, see, the Lord tells us as his children to pray about everything. We should not do anything without praying over it. Even if we don't have a problem in the morning, when we get up, the first thing we should do is pray and talk to the king. That's the very first thing you should do is talk to God. And seek my face. How do you seek his face? You study the word. How are you going to get to know the king in his word? That's how you're going to learn who he is. Reading his word. Being intimate with him. How are you going to be intimate with God? Reading his word. You'll find out what he likes, what he doesn't like. What makes him happy and what ticks him off. It's all in here. So read it. Seek him. And then he says, and seek my face. And then he says, and turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. Let me ask you a question. Something that hits us right in the face since this problem is such a massive problem in the church. You know, there should never be a divorce in the church. But the church has as many divorces per number of people as the world does. That means we're carnal. We're not willing to forgive each other and walk in love. Or your, is your mate going to ever do anything you don't like? Of course. Does that mean you have to hold a grudge against them? No. That means you forgive and you love. You love. Just like the Lord says, Husbands, love your wives. And then he gives you an example. Even as I loved the church and gave my life for her. When's the last time men, those of you that have wives, love them like that? To the point that your wife asks you to do something, something so simple. Honey, I'm a woman. And I need you to tell me every day that you love me. I need to feel secure in your presence. Instead of saying, oh, you stupid woman, if I ever change my mind and I don't love you, I'll tell you. And that's the way some men are. That's not the kind of man God says you're to be. He said you're to love that woman to the point you would give your life for her. Your wife wants you to do something. <laughs> like the guy that said... He's dating this girl, and he wants to marry her. He calls her on the phone and says, Honey, I love you. I would swim the wildest river for you. I would climb the tallest mountain for you. She said, Oh, great. Why don't you come over this evening and take me to dinner? He said, Well, if it don't rain, I will. He didn't mean nothing, did he? 
if it don't rain, I will. But he said he'd climb the highest mountain and swim a raging river for her. He was lying all the way, wasn't he? Men, love your wives. Touch them. Handle them. Be gentle with them. Caress them. Tell them how much you love them. Lay down your pride and become a humble instrument before God and love your women. Not somebody else's woman. Yours. It just blows me apart that the men that will get up with a woman that's fathered or that's bore their children, that's raised them, that has washed and ironed and cooked for them, has kept house for them, went to bed with them, all the things they've done to meet their husband's need, and then the husband gets to the point where he never tells his woman he loves her anymore. And then... He gets up with her and goes somewhere and she may dress beautiful. And he won't even look over at her and say, you sure look beautiful today. But yet he'll walk into a place where there's other women. And he'll look at those and say, oh, isn't she pretty? Didn't she smell good when she walked by this morning? You know what? If I was God, you know what I would do to you? I would punch you out. When you got up off the floor... And you said, what happened? I just said, you didn't do what I told you to do. I told you to love your woman, not another one. And you want to know when God says, when you do that, why I don't answer your prayers? That's exactly what he does. He said, men, love your wives so that your prayers be not hindered. That means I don't answer your prayer when you don't treat your wife like a lady. And you want to know when we got all the problems we got in the church? Is because men are prideful, and when they make a mistake, they won't come and humble themselves before God and their wife and tell her how sorry they are for what they've done wrong. You need to love that woman. I mean, after all, didn't the king tell you to love her like he loved the church? And he gave his life for the church? Are you willing to do that for your woman? If you're not, you're not much of a man. Because you're not doing what God told you to do. And you want to know why the devastating things are coming upon America? Because the church, the men in the church are not loving their women. They're not telling them how much they love them, how pretty they are looking at everybody else. But not their own woman. No man that's married to a woman should ever have eyes for no woman except the one he's married to. You should never get up in the morning. You don't even hug your own wife. And then you come to church and there's another woman there and you'll hug her. Let me tell you, if you don't hug your own wife, you better not hug mine. Because if you do, I'll punch you out. I'm serious today, guys. I'm dead serious. You know... You need to love the woman you're married to. And you need to love her unconditionally. Too many people don't do that. And we want to know why we got the problem we got in the church? The Lord did tell us to love each other. And he says love. 
He loved us to the point He would give His life for the church. If you did not tell your wife this morning that you loved her, you need to ask God to forgive you for your sin this morning. If you didn't tell her how beautiful she is, I don't care if she's 16 years old or 116 years old. If you didn't tell her how beautiful she is, you sinned against God because He told you to love your wife. If you had a problem with your wife this morning and you walked out and had a crossword with her, all I got to do is shame on you and your prayers will not be answered until you get right with that woman. He ain't going to hear your prayer. Well, know why we have the problems in the church? He said, my people. Well, turn from their wicked ways. Some men won't even handle their wives. They won't even touch them. They won't caress them. That's what they want. They're different than you are. They're not that hardcore thing you are. They're gentle. And they love to be caressed and loved and helped by their husbands. Any man that will treat his wife like Christ did to the church, will never have to worry about his woman running around on him. The problems in a marriage is always with the men. Ninety-nine and nine-tenths percent of the time, it's the man's fault. You've got to love your women. And if you want your prayers to be answered, God said clearly in His Word to love your wife. And if you're not loving that woman and telling her how pretty she is and how much you love her and how much you appreciate her and how much the things you appreciate what she does for you, whatever she does, you tell her how much you appreciate her and love her. They do a lot of things for us that we don't even say thank you for. We need to be able to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I do love you with all my heart. Humble yourself before God and your maid. Meet your mate's needs, whatever they are. Some women find it a real problem to be the advancing agent and that should never be the man is the one that should love the wife but women if you've got a husband and he's not a loving man you do what I told a woman up north here a while back when she came to me she said I want you to pray for my husband I said what's wrong with your husband she said my husband has not told me he loves me in 30 years. So I want you to pray for him. I said, no. She said, what? I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do tonight. I want you to go home. And when you walk in that house, I want you to run over and grab your husband. I want you to hug him and kiss him. And I want you to look him right in the eye and tell him how much you love him and how much you appreciate him. Because I said, let me ask you this question first one. How long have you been married? I think she said 40 years or something like that. And she said, my husband does not love me. 
I said, did he provide a house for you? Oh, yeah. Uh, and a pretty nice one. I said, did he provide a car for you? Oh, yeah. He pays all the bills. She said, I don't work outside the home. My husband, I said, do you have any children? She said, oh, yeah. I said, has he met every need you all need? Oh, yeah. I said, he's done that. I said, woman, let me tell you, that's his way of telling you he loves you. That's the stupidity of us guys. You know, we don't know how to love. We think loving is giving somebody something. And I said, that's what we do. And when we do that, you women need to learn. That's the way we're telling you we love you. But I said, for women, that's not good enough. They got to be held and told. That's women. They love to be held and told that they're loved. You can't just give them something. You can buy them everything in the world. And still, they'll be unhappy. But if you hold them and touch them, they'll love you with, if you don't buy them nothing. They want that touch. I said, now, you, you have not told your husband you love him either, have you? She said, well, no, he don't tell me, so I don't tell him. I said, okay, we're going to have to break this little curse. I said, what I want you to do, I want you to go home tonight. And I want you to run in, and I want you to walk up to your husband, have him stand up. I want you to grab him. I want you to pull him up just as tight as you can hold him. I want you to kiss him just as passionately as you can kiss him. And I want you to tell him, after you kissed him in his eyeballs cage, I want you to look him right in the eye and tell him, Honey, I love you. I appreciate so much all the things you've done for me and the boys over all these years. And I want to do something wonderful for you. In fact, I want to fix your favorite supper. What is it you would like to eat? I'll fix anything for you tonight. She backed off and she said, With what he's done to me, I can't do that. I said, Woman, do you want your husband to love you? She said, Well, of course. I said, Then somebody's going to have to take the first step. It's a shame that the women have to take the aggressive step. But I said, In this case, that's what you're going to have to do. A few weeks later, I saw her. She came to my Sunday school class that I was teaching at the time. When she walked in the door, she said, Mr. Schriffner, don't you ever change what you're teaching. I said, what happened? She said, I went home that night and did what you told me to my husband. I said, he was so startled, he couldn't hardly talk. <laughs> and when I told him I was going to fix his favorite supper, he said, well, just anything. I said, no, I'm going to fix what you want tonight. Anything you want, I'm going to fix it for you. Oh, he said, just fix me anything. She said, no, what do you want? So he said, well, I'd like to have this. She said, okay, no problem. So she said, I fixed it. And I'd done a good job and everything and said, I, had, I was so good to him. I told him every day how much I loved him, how much I appreciated him. She said, three weeks later, Valentine's Day came. She said, I walked in the house that day and there lay a card on the table with my name on it. And she said, I opened it and it was a beautiful card signed by my husband. And she said, I couldn't believe that after all these, the 30 years at least, he had not bought me a card. And she said, everything in our house is beginning to change. She said, now he even tells me that he loves me. Isn't that a shame that we let pride get in the way and do all these things? So women, if you got one of them stupid husbands like some of us, you know, hadn't told you he loved you in a long time, break the ice. Tell him, you be the aggressor. Tell him you love him. If he won't touch you, you touch him. You know, get a hold of him. Hold him close. Love him. You know, be so loving and so kind, he can't do anything. But love you. You know, do what it says. The Lord, if men would only do what God says, 
and love their wives like God told us to love them to the point we would give our life for them. That's a man that really loves his woman. If he'll give his life for her, love her, you will, that man will never look at another woman. He'll never have a bad thought about another woman. He'll only think about his woman, his wife. And when you do that, that means when you go somewhere and there's other ladies around, it makes no difference how beautiful, how sweet they smell or nothing else. You can shake their hands. You can tell them, you know, how nice they are and things like that. But your wife will have no problem with that if she was loved unconditionally at home. And she's already been told two or three or four times this morning how much you love her, how beautiful she is. Then she'll have no problem you saying hi and shaking hands with another woman and saying, you look nice today. She won't have a problem with that because she knows your heart is in the right place. It's to her and no one else. So men, if you're a man today and if you're 20, 16, 20, or 120, and you haven't told your wife you love her, and you're not loving your wife like that, you might as well forget praying and asking God for something because he's not going to answer your prayer until you get right with that woman. So when you get out of this place today, you know, for two cents, I'd make every one of you stand up and look your wife in the eye right now and tell her you love her. But I don't want to intimidate you. I'm going to let you do it. Some of the women said, oh, shucks. <laughs> I heard you guys hear that. Those women, they wanted me to do that. So when you get out of here today, when you start down that aisle or you get outside on that platform out there, you humble yourself before God and man and in the presence of others. You look your, whenever this service is over, you stand up and you grab your woman and tell her, I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's standing around. I love you. Last night when Cheryl and I came out of the restaurant after listening to the news, we start to get in the car. We're standing at the front of the car on the curb. I didn't reach up to kiss her. But guess what? She did me. She reached and grabbed me and looked at me and said, Honey, I love you. And kissed me two or three times standing on the curb right there in front of the store. So, see, if the man's not going to be aggressive, the woman be aggressive. If you want that loving, after all, who does this body belong to besides the Lord? It belongs to my woman. Her body belongs to me. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? So, if I'm not smart enough to tell her often enough that I love her, then she takes, she's aggressive and, hey, I loved every second of it standing out there on that street loving her. So, women... If your husbands are like me sometimes and don't tell you often enough, then you grab him and love him and kiss him and tell him how much you love him. So take that first step. After all, we want to be obedient children of God. Now then, the Lord says, if we will humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, he said, then will I hear from heaven and then will I forgive their sin and then will heal their land. Who did you say had to turn from wicked ways? The world? No, the church. Why do you think the storms and the tornadoes and the earthquakes and, and the tornadoes and hurricanes and, and severe rains and severe droughts and everything, why do you think all this just happens? It happens because we don't do what God says. We don't do what God says. 
We've got to start doing what God says in the church. We have to do what he says. Now then, right this second, what I want us to do, I want every one of you silently, but before God, I want you to do exactly what these songs said. I want us to humble ourselves before God. I'm going to give you one minute to humble yourself or whatever it takes or 30 seconds or a minute and a half or whatever you need. I want you to humble yourself before God. I want you to ask God to forgive you for anything you've done wrong this week. And then after you have done that, after you've humbled yourself before the king, he's the king. I have to do the same thing. I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me for every mistake I've made this week or my life that I've not confessed. I'm going to repent of my sins. And then I want every one of us to stand up and ask God to be merciful to Florida and stop the devastation that's coming in. And we're going to see what kind of an impact we as this little bitty group of people can have before the king of the universe if we, just a handful of us out of his church, will do what he says. After all, he's God. And he can do anything. But he's the king of the universe. So I want you to take a minute. I want you to just silently lower your head and ask the Lord to forgive you. I want, him to, I want you to ask him to restore you. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I realize I've made lots of mistakes in my life. And I know there's times that I don't show my love for my wife like I should. But, Father, help me to love her always. And, Lord, I know I don't show the love for people that I should all time either. And I know I say things and do things that's wrong. I try not to, but I know I must make mistakes And sometimes I know I make mistakes, Father, so I'm so sorry. Lord, I know that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And, Lord, I know that there's many of us hold grudges against people. And, Lord, that's the most severe thing that any Christian can do is hold a grudge. Because, Lord, you didn't even hold a grudge when they were killing you on the cross. You forgave them. So, Father, help us to be like Jesus. To forgive, to, to get right with people, to walk in love and hold no grudges against no one. Because, Lord, we're grateful that you have withheld the destroyer when we've grumbled and complained. You say you will send him to us. And, Lord, we know that the destroyer comes. He comes to bring sickness, disease, and pain and killing, stealing, and destroying. So, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Be merciful to us. Lord, Lord, I want to walk holy before you. My goal, and I know you know my heart, but my goal is to teach your people the truth of your word so they can be empowered with the Holy Spirit and power so that when they pray for people, great and mighty things can happen. But Lord, here we are, the church of the living God, and the church of the living God virtually never sees a healing or a miracle or a sign or a wonder. And it's got to be us. It's never you. So it's because we walk in such sin that all these devastating things are coming up on the world. But Lord, you told us right here in your word, if we would humble ourselves and come before you and repent for all of our sins, love our wives, love people, love. You said this is a great command. Love you first. Seek you first. God, realize you're God, not us. You're God. And we're just your children. And Lord, we thank you for being 
merciful to us, forgiving us, reconciling us to yourself by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, then help us to walk holy and in total forgiveness and total love toward all people as we go throughout the remainders of our life on this earth, whatever it may be. Help us to love, to love, to, to remember what love is. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for the blood. And when we confess our sins and get rid of our unforgiveness, you put it as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, help us to really walk in love this week. Now, Father, I thank you for hearing our prayers and forgiving us in the name of Jesus. That's the only way we can approach the throne of grace. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, if you would, you can do it if you want or you can not if you don't. But I would love it if each one of you would stand and before a humble God and in your own way, silently, out loud, or however you want to do it, ask our God to be merciful to the people in Florida. Lord, it's because of our sins that this devastation has come upon this world. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to be merciful to all those people down there that even right now that devastating storm is approaching the coast of Florida. And Lord, I know if you don't intervene because of our prayers, I know this thing is going to wipe out billions of dollars worth of buildings and homes. And some of those people, Lord, got to be your people. Many of them may be. So, Father, I pour out my heart as each one of us here in this place today is pouring out our heart to you. And we're asking you, Father, because you are the king of the universe. You're our Lord and our God. You are the head of the church. And we know that you love us and you're merciful. And we're asking you, Father, in Jesus' name, to miraculously stop that storm and be merciful to those people. Lord, please. You said in your word that if we would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, you would hear our prayers. Now, Lord, we realize we're a little tiny group. But, Lord, we know that you've taken just one man and changed the world. So, Lord, we're several. And you said, you did say in your word, after we humble ourselves and when we pray in faith, that if just two of us on earth could agree about anything, you would do it for us. So, Father, there's a whole bunch of us here today. We're asking you, Father, to be merciful and hear this prayer and to move miraculously and stop this devastating storm in Florida and do it some way. However you do it, let it be done so that everybody will know that only you could have done it. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the privilege to come to you to the throne of grace like you told us in Hebrews 4.16, we can come boldly into the throne of grace once our sins are repented and ask you for great and mighty things and you will hear our prayers and you will answer them because you promised it. So, Father, we want to thank you and praise you that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And although we may be a little number here, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we, we're so grateful that you're our King and our Lord And that, Lord, here we look to you as our Savior, our Healer, our Deliverer, and not to no man. Because man, all of us are just children. All of us have been given a different gift in your body. And many of us do different things. 
And I'm grateful for the gift of teaching that you've given to me, that I've been able to teach your people what your word says. And Lord, I ask you to continue that and increase that in, an, in a, just a tremendous number so more and more of your people will get a hold of these things. And they will humble themselves and walk in your grace and your love and your mercy so that you will hear our prayers. And Lord, especially in this little congregation, may we become such loving people. May every man in this place love his wife with a love that every woman here that's married to a man, she will be so in love with that man because he loves you first and her second. But he loves her like he loves you. You say that a man that can't love, that say he loves his brother, or say that loves God, but yet he doesn't love his brother, and that would fall right into loving his wife. You said they're liars and they can't love God because they can't see God. If they say they love him and they don't love their brother or their wife, then they're liars and they don't even love you. So, Father, help us to demonstrate our love to you by loving each other. Our mates, let us love our mates unconditionally. Let us be the men that will love people at work. We'll be kind and gentle and not wicked. But we'll be understanding and loving. Burn out the human being in each one of us. I ask you to burn out Thurman Scrivener and ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit and power so that your love can flow through me. Lord, I can't do it on my own. Without you, I cannot do it. I'm a human being, and Lord, it cannot be done as long as Thurman Scrivener rules in this piece of flesh. I cannot do these things. But with your Holy Spirit ruling me, I can. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you, Lord. For doing a great work in Florida. And we're so grateful that we can come to you and pray. And we will see you, we believe with all of our heart, make such a change in this that everybody, when they look at the news this afternoon, they're going to be amazed. It's going to say the storm wasn't near as bad as we thought it was going to be. It didn't do near the damage or destruction that we thought it was going to do. And let it be. Because we humbled ourselves and come into your presence and ask you, Father, to be merciful to the people in Florida. And then use us this week for your glory. As we go forth, let us lead people to Christ. Let us be an example. Let us go forth and save the lost, heal the sick, deliver people from, from oppression, from demons, so that they can learn more about your word. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. My wife did what I said. She came and kissed me. Praise the Lord. Wow. If you want to kiss your husband, that's okay. You can't. It makes no difference. God understands that kind of love. Praise the King. Wow. What a God we serve. Thank you. Now then, my message today is going to start in Psalms. Psalms is such an awesome book. We're going to hit a couple of two or three chapters today. I want to start 
in Psalms 147. 147, Psalms 147. If you will bear with me in this, you will begin to see a little bit of the magnificence of why God can demand that we praise Him. He is so magnificently big that it's so awesome who He really is. I can't fathom it as a man. To think about an infinite God. And the hardest thing for me to explain to my daughter when she was growing up. But Daddy, where did God come from? To answer with the scripture, honey, He has forever been. And He shall forever be. No, Daddy, everything has a beginning and an ending. When did God begin? Who made Him? Let me ask you, if you have the answer to that other than what I just said, you're a whole lot smarter than me. God has always been. No beginning with time and no ending with time. He never sleeps. He never rests. And He never has to eat unless He wants to. Can you fathom a man like that? No. No. But listen a little bit about this. God that we serve. Psalms 147 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. For it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is comely. Then I want you to see verse 3. He heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. He tell us or counts the number of the stars. And he calls them all by their names. That makes me feel awful little. I can't even call all of your names. You know that path that makes me feel very little? Somebody comes at me and says, How in the world? Do you know all these scriptures? Hey, I don't know how many I know. I know a few, but I don't know very many. Maybe a, I don't even have any idea. How many, I do quote a lot of scripture, and I know the address where they are. But compared to the number of scriptures in the Bible, I got a little, lucky I got a little bitty tiny, tiny corner on it. You know what I mean? Little tiny corner. So I'm not very smart at all compared to the God that counts the stars. We don't even know how many there are. No human being with their microscope or telescopes or nothing can even begin to count the cosmos. You know, whenever they say, you know, that the earth itself, most of us can't even fathom this. You know, one day God says, I think I'll make me a worm. And he said, let there be. And there it was. You know, how did he make that? It's just a little bitty tiny ball. Little bitty tiny grain of sand. It is so precise. Although it's about 7,500 miles straight through. And only about 25 miles down is it liquid. White hot liquid. Thousands of degrees. Only 25 miles down. 
But yet here it is, 80, 70, 80, 90 degrees on the surface today. And we've got light and day. It's turning and it's traveling. And it's spinning, you know, every day it spins at 1,003 miles an hour. And it don't vary. It don't slow down one day and speed up the next. You can set your watches with 24 hours and zero seconds, and the earth will come back to the same exact place in 24 hours and zero seconds every day. And it don't make one second off one day or gain another second the next. It's perfect, precise. And so it's spinning at 1,003 miles an hour. Most of us don't even know that. We don't realize it. And then you go outside and you look up and, you know, the first time I took a telescope and set it on the ground and tried to find the moon. How many of y'all have ever done that? Do you know that? You know you can't keep it in there, can you, Keith? The thing keeps moving. You, you get it all lined up. I got the telescope in there. I got it all lined up and everything set. With it. And I could see the moon so clear. And I said, hey, kids, come over and look. I got it on there. Come look at it. And they come over looking and said, Daddy, there ain't nothing in there. I said, sure it was. It was just there. Look. And it ain't there. I said, where did this thing go? And then I got to thinking. We're traveling a thousand and three miles an hour. We're moving. We're rotating. So you constantly have to move to keep it on there. And I thought, wow, isn't this something? A thousand and three miles an hour. And then I got to thinking, you know, we're not only rotating at 1,003 miles an hour. But God, when He set the earth up here, He said, I've got to have a centrifugal force to go around another magnetic field that's going to hold it at exactly the right distance from the sun because the sun's going to be the source of heat. And He put a huge ball of fire out there that has eruptions 100, 200, 300 miles high. You talk about a gas bill. You ain't never seen a gas bill like this. And He provides that for us free. And this heat comes 96 million miles through space and then heats the earth at some temperature from whatever to whatever in the varying temperatures that you and I can live in. He made that. And then He gave the little earth, He gave it a little sling like a baseball and He slung it exactly at the right speed so the magnetic pull from the, moon, from the sun so the earth would hold it and continuously curve it in so it would make this circle. So every 365 and one quarter days, the earth would make one complete orbit around the sun. And it only takes a little over 69,000 miles an hour forward velocity for that to happen. And why didn't he throw it at 75,000 miles an hour? Or why didn't he show it, throw it at 50,000 miles an hour? Because if he'd have thrown it at 50,000, it would have veered in and pulled in and burned in the sun. What if he'd have thrown it at 80,000 miles an hour? It would have left the orbit and we'd all burned up. We'd all froze to death out there in space. You think he's just a little bit smarter than we might be? See, I can't, I can't fathom that God. But he says he, he counts the stars. And he calls them by name. He knows all of them, how many they are. And he, over in the book of Hebrews, it says, And he maintains the cosmos daily with his mighty spoken word. He tells them where to go, what to do. Billions and trillions of them that are out there. And he's that big. And yet, he can be so magnificently big 
but yet, just like one of the gentlemen in this church the other day, he come to me after church last Sunday. He said, I've got to give you a testimony. I said, what happened? He said, you know, it blows me away at the magnificence of God. I said, okay, it does me too. So what happened? He said, I was putting a ceiling fan up this last week. And he said, I kept dropping the little screws that hold, I guess the ones that hold the blade on. I didn't ask him what screw. He just said the little screws putting it together. And he kept dropping them. He said, I'd drop one, I'd get down on the carpet, and I'd find it. And I'd get up there and I'd put it back in. He said, finally, I dropped one and I got down on the floor and I looked for it for five minutes and I couldn't find it. And I said, Lord, what happened to the screw? Would you please help me find it? And he said, spoke to me. He called his name and said, it's not on the floor. It's on the top of the ladder. (laughs) Now, how can a God that can be this big, can be this small and be with each one of us all the time? So he said, I get up off my knees, crawl up the ladder, and look on the top level, and there lays the screw right there on top. Isn't that awesome? Now, why didn't he tell him to start off with? Because he hadn't asked. He hadn't asked. Now, you know, when a man is loving his wife, and a man is loving God, when you ask God that, he'll talk to you. You want to say, well, I hadn't heard his voice. Well, let me tell you, you need to get your sins repented of and start believing There's something wrong. Something between you and God that's causing you not to hear His voice. Because He talks. And somebody said, you mean I'm going to have to change? I'm going to have to tell that woman of mine that I love her? Well, let me tell you, is that such a hard job? Is that so hard for us guys to tell our women we love them? What's so hard about that? You ought to want to do that. And the Lord says, at least that part, if you'll tell her you love her, and you'll treat her not just any old way, you'll treat her like Christ treated the church and gave himself for her. I don't know many men that love their wife like that, do you? I don't know many men that realize that when they talk to their woman, They're talking to God. Because this is a mystery hidden before the foundation of the world. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now if I walked up to Cheryl to say something to her one day. And I was fixing to get upset with her. And all of a sudden Jesus appeared right there. You reckon I'd change my tone of voice? You reckon I would? You know I would. So why can't I see that all the time? And I'm trying. my prayer this morning is will you come to church this afternoon I was praying Lord you burn up Thurman Scribner I don't want him no more I want you to live in this piece of flesh I want to become that man that you want me to become I want to walk in your kind of love I've got upset too many times over too many things that didn't amount to nothing lost my cool too many times But I am going to do everything I can to never go there again. That's a goal that every one of us should have. When I reach that goal and I do everything God says, you know what's going to happen to the man that reaches the goal to do everything God told him to do in the Word? 
You know what's going to happen to you? John 14, 12 is going to become a reality to you. Anybody know what John 14, 12 says? Greater works than these that I've done shall you do in my name. You wonder why that's in the Word of God? And you wonder why that you see so many people today that does not ever see a miracle or a healing or anything else? Never when they pray. I mean, I can remember the first 40 plus years of my life when I didn't pray very much. But I did pray a little, but I can remember very few answers to prayer. And I guess, I guess the first time, being a Baptist and raised in a Baptist church in a great home, my dad didn't pray over us. I mean, I'm sure he might have in the background, but you know, we didn't read the Word of God at home. My mother did or dad did, but they never read it to us. I didn't realize how disobedient my parents were to what God had commanded them to do to us. But the Word of God tells us what to do as men. If you're a man and you've got a family and you're not reading them the Word of God or not talking about the Word of God, you're in disobedience to the Word of God. You're in disobedience. You need to be reading the Word of God to your children. If you're not doing that, you are in rebellion against God. He'll change you and your children when you start. That's the first time God ever spoke to me. And I'm, instead of going any further after in Psalms right now, I'm going to step back to Deuteronomy 6. And I'm going to show you the very first time that God ever spoke to me, this was where I was. Deuteronomy 6. And I was at verse 4. You never forget these incidences you have with God. When He speaks to you in an audible voice like He did me the first time, I was so shocked. I had never heard anybody say that, ever heard God's voice. This was my first encounter with a king. And it happened in the summer, June of 1977. I was at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then he spoke to me. And this is what he said. Son, pay attention. I have a message for you in the next few verses. Son, pay attention. Well, let me tell you. When we sat down to read God's Word, we need to pay attention because He's got a Word for every one of us in here. But I had two brand new babies. My daughter was one month old and my son was two years old. And this is when He spoke this to me. And this is what it says. Verse 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. How much am I to love God? All my heart. I'm to put Him first. And with all your soul and with all your might. That's what I'm to do to God. That's the first thing. He said, pay attention. This is what you're supposed to do to me. Love me with your all. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them flippantly to your children. 
What did he say? Diligently. Diligently. You know what it means to be diligent? I mean, you're after it. You're pursuing it. You're diligent. I want to tell you again, go back to your husbands and wives. Some of you men that pursued that woman you're married to, you were diligent. I mean, you would, you would stop. You'd not go do something you wanted to do so you could take her out to dinner one night. I mean, you're calling her on the phone. You know you've got 14 things to do, but you call her because you want a date with her tonight. All of a sudden, this woman has lit your fire. And you're spending time with her. And you take all your time and you do all this. And you buy her things. You go do nice things for everything. And then you marry her. And five years later, ten years later, or twenty years later, she's become old hat. She's still your wife. You said, well, she's got old. Well, let me tell you. Look at yourself. <laughs> if she's twenty years older, you're twenty years older. You didn't stay the same either. So you need to love her, the wife of your youth. You love her right on through, the same. You love her and treat her the same. I don't care if you get to the point where you're not a man of faith and you get to the point where you can't hear her or nothing else. I don't care what happens. You need to go by and hold her and tell her you love her. I don't care if you're a hundred years old. Women never get tired of being told they love them, that you love them by their husbands. Let me ask this question. I'm going to be bold. If you're a woman, I don't care if you're married or unmarried, how many of you women like to be told you're loved? Hold up your hand. Okay, the rest of you are lying. <laughs> Every woman needs to be told she's loved by her husband. Then the Lord says, for those of us men that have these children, we are to teach these things diligently unto our children, and we are to talk of them when you sitteth in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you sit, when you lie down, and when you rise up. How often are you supposed to talk to your children about God? That pretty well covers it from morning to night, doesn't it? In every waking moment, you are to be an example of your children. You are to be an example of God to your children. Because the only thing your children are going to know about God is what they see in you. If you don't love their mother, then that's what they're going to think. God don't love you either. If you don't love their mother and you're not good to her, those children will grow up being, being very insecure. But if a daddy loves mother and is not ashamed to put his hands on her, hold her tight, put his arms around his waist, hold her up and just look in her eyes and tell her how much you love her. Don't do anything, you know, that sexual or any connotation like that around your children, but just hold her and touch her. Put your hands around her waist and hold her tight. Or walk up to her and pat her on the cheek and say, Honey, you're so beautiful today. I so love you. And smile. You know, your children will say, Whoa, Daddy really loves Mama. Now, that's the way I'm going to have to love my wife when I get married. And those boys that grow up seeing Daddy love like that, you know what breaks my heart when I see a man come to me and a woman, or actually the woman may come to me and say, You know, my husband hadn't told me he loved me in five years. 
Yeah, I said, well, he was raised up in a home that a daddy didn't love his wife. Never told. You know, the thing about it is, my own mother was not told near enough by my daddy that he loved her. But he did. He did love her. But he didn't tell her often enough. So you know what my mother told me? She said, son, women love to be told they're loved. So when you get married, tell your wife every day how much you love her. Tell her. I said, well, mom, I hardly ever hear dad say that to you. She said, I know. But I would love for him to do that to me. He just doesn't. That's just the way he is. But she said, women love to be told they're loved. So you don't take after your daddy in this area. You listen to me. You tell your wife you love her. And I'll tell you, guys, it works. They love to be told they're loved. Then the Lord says, not only did he tell you to do it when you're lying down, when you're getting up and when you're walking by the way and when you rise up, but he says, and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand. When's the last time you saw a man with a sign on the back of his hand that says, talk to my children about God today? Well, see, God told us to do that, didn't he? It'd be amazing if we put a strap around our hand and says, Tell my children about God today. But the king said do that, didn't he? And they shall be as frontly between your eyes. What? You mean I got a little hat on now with a little deal hanging off the front? It says, talk to my children today about God. Well, if you're that hard-headed, guys, put it on there. If you can't remember, God said that. That's what he said, isn't it? This is the word of God that we're reading. And you shall write them on the post of your house and upon your gates. So you walk in, there's a sign on the front porch. It says, be sure and teach your children about God today. Isn't that amazing? That's the very first time God ever spoke to me was right there. Do you know that day I started reading the Word of God to my children at home and praying over them every day. And until my children got big enough that I could not keep them together at night. When they're going so many places doing their own things. I'm telling you, every night I read the Word of God to my children and prayed over them the rest of those years. Because right there, God spoke to me. And since I was obedient to do what He told me to do, I believe that's why He continued to speak to me. And I believe that's why I've had the privilege to hear His voice over 30 times since 1977. I don't even remember now all the times He's spoken to me. But when He talks to me, if He tells me jump, I just jump. And in the process of the jump, I say, how far, Lord? I don't know. I don't question Him anymore. I just do what He says. He tells me to do something. I don't ask him why. I just do it. I just do what he says. And when you do that, then you're beginning, you're beginning to understand who he is. Now let's go back to this magnificent God that counts the stars, names them, numbers them, and everything else. Great is our Lord and of great power, and his understanding is infinite in verse 5 of Psalms 147. So if you think you're smart... 
You're going to get a grudge against God? Forget it. He's so much bigger than you and me. All you and I have to be great, grateful for is that He's gracious and mighty. As Cheryl and I pulled out of the driveway this morning, pulled up on the street, I'm praying and I said, Lord, I want to thank you that you remember that Cheryl and I is but dust. Because, Lord, I said, if you didn't have mercy every day to us, there would be two people in this car that would not be here today. We would be dead. And I got a feeling that pair fit everybody in this room. There's not a single one of you that's walked as holy as God wants you to walk. But it's time we start doing that. We're now children of the King. I mean, back in those days, I didn't even know the requirements. And I'm, I'm so ashamed of myself that I didn't know the requirements. And why is it that I didn't know the requirements? Because, number one, my church didn't teach me the requirements. And my daddy, which was his job, the devil got him so busy working, making a living, that dad would be so tired when he would come home after working 12, 14, 16 hours a day trying to provide for all of us. Dad didn't have time to read and study God's Word. Isn't that amazing? Does that happen to any of the rest of us? Oh, yeah. The devil loves it when you like the Word. He loves it. When he can get you so busy. He loves it when he can get you, Mama, so busy with your children, taking them places, doing things, ball games, washing, cooking, cleaning, and you don't never have time for God's Word. He loves it. And Daddy, when he can get you so busy being away from home, doing all the things, not tell your wife you love them, all those things, so that you will not be loving your wife, so that maybe he can work on her mind, her heart, and get her out with some other man. You know, it works both ways. Some guys get up in the morning, their wife never gets up, take care of the house, never take care of them, so comes home in the afternoon, got two, three children running around the house. She's been a busy woman, but she ain't had time to clean up and take care of herself. But your daddy was down at the office today with three or four or five, or maybe just one. Really pretty woman that comes to work every day, smells good, got her hair fixed, looks wonderful. And the devil says, Whoa, look at that. And you go home, you say, and he says, look at that. She hadn't even had a bath today. She don't have her hair made up. I mean, doesn't she look awful? And see, when the devil puts those thoughts in your mind, you say, no, devil. That's my lovely wife. I love her. Honey, is there anything I do to make your life better? She said, yes, you could do this for me. I said, good. I'll help you do this or I'll do the washing for you, the ironing. In fact, I'll tell you what. Why don't I do in here and do the washing for you this afternoon? And I'll take care of the children. And why don't you go in there and take you a beautiful bath and get beautiful like you used to be when we were dating. And I'll take you out to dinner tonight. And we'll get a babysitter for the babies. Now see, if you're a real man, who, who brought in little children into the world? She didn't bring them in by herself. You were partly responsible too. So you need to help her with them babies. You need to be able to change them diapers. I ain't changing no diaper. Well, let me tell you. I thought about Dave the other day. Rosenfeld. He said, Thurman, my whole world has changed. <laughs> I said, I know. He said, I was standing out there on the 
parking lot, I think Walmart, where they're fixing to go in. He was standing there, and the brand new little boy started tinkling. And it ran right out of the diaper, right down Dave's shirt, right down his face, right down in his shoe. I said, get used to it, Dave. That's things happen to men that have babies. You've got to get used to it. Now, all of y'all... All of y'all had babies know exactly what I'm talking about. So this ain't some this ain't some new thing. You know these kind of things happen. Or you may be in Walmart carrying a little guy, and he may have an upset stomach, and he may vomit all over you, and it may smell awful. I've had that happen. But it's just it's just things that happen. It tests your patience and your love. But it's just a learning curve, you know. So you continue. To realize these things are going to happen and you walk in love. And when you walk in that love, it builds that bond between you and your mate closer than ever. Some people, it drives them apart because they're not willing to do it God's way. But this God that we serve, He is His power. He is of great power and His understanding is infinite. Now then, let's go down... Well, let me read that next verse. The Lord lifts up the meek or the humble. How many of you want to be lifted up by the Lord? I do. So he said, make yourself humble before me in my presence if you want me to do something. Get rid of your pride because you don't get rid of that pride. He said, I'm not going to be close to you. So you've got to get rid of that. The Lord lifts up the humble or the meek and he casts the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises unto the... Uh, upon the harp unto our God. Now let's drop down to 148. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. From the heavens, praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. He commands His angels to praise Him. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. That means the stars and the earth, the planets, the galaxies. He commands everything He's made to praise Him. Can you imagine being so powerful that you could command the sun to praise you? That's beyond my wildest thinking. But He does. And they bow down and worship Him. Rosemary, that's beyond my wildest imagination, huh? Praise ye Him, the sun and the moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. Praise Him. He, when His Word says that, He is commanding the sun, the moon, and the stars to bow down and praise Him and worship Him. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. That's a little beyond my wildest dreams, that this God that we serve, done all these things and created all this magnificence, and then He made you and me the crown of His glory. And He gave us the same power that He had, except He limited it to the earth. That's why he said in his word under the new covenant, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth, 
If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you. I tell you the truth. If you speak to that mountain and command it to be removed from right there over there, and you don't doubt in your heart, that mountain will obey you. So therefore, whatever you say with your mouth, Mark eleven twenty three, whatever you say with your mouth, good or bad, if you don't doubt in your heart, you'll have it. So cancer comes up on somebody. Some kind of symptoms. Instead of checking out where we got sin, or if we done anything wrong, or if it's just an attack from the devil, we run down to the doctor, and the doctor checks us out, and he says, you have a serious cancer, you're going to be dead in three weeks. Just like that young man that came. This happened to a young man right here in the Dallas area, 42 years old, just recently. So he goes back to his home state, I think it was Tennessee, and he buys a burial spot and begins to prepare for his funeral. The doctors told him, you're going to be dead in about three or four weeks. And when he was talking to different people about his own funeral with this incurable disease, somebody gave him one of our DVDs or CDs. said, go listen to this. He went and listened to it, came to Dallas the next weekend for a healing school, repented of his sins, I cast the devil out of him, he got healed, and three months later he comes to another healing school and he's praising God. He said, praise God, I'm totally well, ain't no sickness in my disease, in my body. And he said, I'm going to live to be an old man because I ain't going to sin no more and I'm going to walk in holiness before God. Isn't that amazing? A Christian young man had no idea the Word of God. God's plan for His children is to have a long, good life. Not a short one at 40 years. How many of you, I don't know, maybe you look at it different than I do. How many of you think 42 years is a long life? Now, some of you that are children here, that's 10 or 12 or 15, you might think, good grief, 42, that's ancient. Yeah, this little guy put on the front look at his daddy and says, yeah, that's right, daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's right, dad. 42, that's ancient. Well, let me tell you, when they begin to approach that age, they'll think different, won't they? You know, I can, I can remember when my daughter, she, she was about the second grade. And I was many years older than Amanda. I was 39 when she was born. So when Amanda was about nine, I guess, eight or nine, second grade, I think, she come home one day and she said, Daddy, I wished you wasn't so old. I said, why is that, honey? Well, she said, me and all my little friends, my girlfriends were talking today and they said their daddy was 25. How old was your daddy? 27. How old was your daddy, Amanda? Well, he's 48. Gee, your daddy's 48. He's old. <laughs> See, when you're 7 or 8, 48 is ancient. And she said, Daddy, I wished you wasn't so old. I said, Honey, come over here and get in my lap. She came over and jumped up my lap and I held her and loved her a little while. I said, I wonder how many of those daddies you ask those little girls, how many of their daddies puts them to bed every night and reads a story and lays down with them till they go to sleep? How many of those 
daddies do all these wonderful things that I do for you? She began to think. She cuddled up in my arms and she said, Daddy, I'm so glad you're my daddy. You know, those are things a man never forgets. And am I glad I did those things for that little girl? Because I had no idea, young lady, that at 24 she'd go home to be with Jesus. You don't ever know that about your babies, do you? No, you don't. You don't ever know how long you're going to have them. So that's why God says love. Love. It pays good dividends to love. Can you imagine the hardest thing would be in your life if you woke up this morning and you and your wife had a serious disagreement and she drove off and an hour later they called and said your wife's been in a car accident and she's dead? How would you like to have that the last remembrance of your wife? An argument. Not me. I want to say, Lord, I know that they're in heaven with you. And I know that I loved them to the last day. And there was not any problem between any one of us. In fact, I loved you this morning as much as I ever did. That's the way you want to remember it, don't you, Sharon? Yes, you want to have good memories, not those that, oh my gosh, I had a fight with my wife or my daughter, and she got killed an hour later. Well, see, nobody knows that. That's why the Lord says, love. And he tells us to praise him, and he's telling and commanding the heavens to praise him. And he says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commandeth, and they were created. He hath also established them Forever and ever, he has made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy winds fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princesses and all judges of the earth. Bring both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For His name alone is excellent or exalted. His glory is above the earth and heavens. He also exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, even of the children of Israel, a, percu- a people near unto Him. Praise ye the Lord. What is the Lord commanded to praise Him? Did he miss anything, Brittany? I mean, he named every little children, old children, young men, young women, mountains, hills, beasts, cattle, you name it, moons, trees, fruit trees, everything that's made. He commanded it to praise him. Why do we do so little praise? Why do we do so little praise? You know, because people think you're crazy. You know, it's amazing. Never ceases to amaze me. I used to walk into my workplace. I I know lots of people when I first come there thought I was a nut. And they still do. It's okay. I walk into the workplace, a secular workplace. 
And I'd walk in through the front door and I'd say, Praise the King! Jesus is Lord! Well, who's this guy? Whoa! And I'd be talking to me. I'd go up to the restaurant to have dinner. And I'd praise the Lord and, and pray over my meal. But let me tell you, I was able to change that place. I was able to change that place. And the power, I walked into a place that was a snake pit of the world. Now let me tell you, most businesses today is a snake pit of the world. There's demons all over the place. People are doing the wrong things. They're using the wrong language. They're doing everything. Somebody said, you tell me you can walk into a place of business where there's a thousand people there and you're one and you're going to change that? I'm going to say, guarantee I can change that place. Because let me tell you, I learned a long time ago when 1 John 4, 4 said, Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Who is it that lives in you? This God that commanded all these things to bow down and worship Him, that made everything that's made. He could have chose anywhere in the universe to live, but where does He live? In you. So with you and Him, when you step into faith and start thinking like God, there's nothing you can't do. And I'm telling you, I changed that place. I walked into that place praising the Lord. I was not ashamed of the King. People said, gee, and a lot of those people... When I went there, I said, Thurman. In fact, one of the leads that was there about, I don't know, a month or two into this, I'd have those leads come into my office, and I'd start out every morning with a prayer. I said, now you leads, I'm going to talk to you all this morning before we change shifts, and I'm going to open everything we do with a word of God and prayer. We'd read a scripture, and I'd pray. And one of those men, which was a, I forgot, Lutheran or whatever he was, a Presbyterian or whatever he was, I think he was a Lutheran. He went to church some, but he had never seen a man like me. He said whenever I'd start to pray and I'd leave the blind open in my office. Why don't we close the blind here? I said, no, leave it open. I want everybody who comes by to see what we're doing. I'd put a sign, sometimes a different sign, every day different scriptures, in my window and my door so that everybody could see it. I wanted them to know I was a man of God. He said the hair would stand up on my neck when you start praying. When, especially when I hear somebody else walk down the hall and say, Oh, God, they're going to know I'm in here with Thurman and I'm praying. They're going to think I'm a fluke. <laughs> Until three months later, as I praised and worshipped this king, doing what this Bible tells me to do, not ashamed of him, praising him, worshipping him. And one morning you go up in the cafeteria, 7 o'clock, pour your bowl of cereal out, and pour your milk in it, and you start eating. Little woman walks in over yonder. I see her come in the door. Got these big sleeves on her arm. What's wrong with you? Well, she said, I got carpal tunnel. I went to the doctor this week and they told me I've got this carpal tunnel. I said, Well, what can the doctors do about it? She said, At my age, they said nothing. I said, How would you like for Jesus to heal you? Now, that's not exactly normal in the workplace either, is it? But see, we're supposed to be Christians. That's what Jesus told us to do. Go heal the sick. We don't believe Him. She said, well, I'd love for Jesus to heal me. I said, come over here to my table, woman. She come over to my table. I put one hand up on her. And I lifted the other one up into heaven. Praising the King. I said, Father, you said, Mark 16, 18, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Quoted the Word of God. I said, Lord, I want to thank you 
for being merciful to this woman and doing a complete healing on this woman from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I said, thank you, Father. It's done. In Jesus' name. And bam! The Holy Spirit hit that woman and instantly the carpal tunnel was healed. Right in front of everybody's eyes. She began to jump up and say, oh, my hands, they don't hurt no more. Forty people in that cafeteria, you could have heard a pin drop. That's the first time ever you could have heard a pin drop in that cafeteria. But let me tell you, that morning you could have heard it. There wasn't nothing me heard except what me and that woman was doing. Everybody else was over there in awe. They knew they'd never seen nothing like this. What a shame. You and I are Christians. We're supposed to be doing what God told us to do. We're supposed to be walking on, praising Him. Did He tell you to praise Him? Did you see anywhere in these verses where He told you to praise Him? Are you being obedient or disobedient? I'm going to tell you, most of us are disobedient. We don't praise Him enough. I woke up this morning far before my alarm went off, before the alarm went off, and I just lay there and praised and worshipped the King. Praised for hours. Praised and worshipped. That's all I did. We said, Lord, I want to tell you how much I love you, how much I thank you, how much I praise you for giving me the revelation from your word. I just want you to use me for your glory. I just praise you and love you and thank you. That woman was miraculously instantly healed. But I've seen many of those things happen. In fact, I'll tell the story on Don. He's here today. When he went with me to a pastor's meeting conference down in Irving one day, there was a man at the bottom of the stairs. And he also had those sleeves on his arm. I'm a whole lot more knowledgeable then than I was when I prayed for Edith. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I got carpal tunnel. I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes, I am. I said, how would you like for Jesus to heal you? He said, I'd love it. So I reached up and started to put my hands on him. And Don says, Thurman, can I lay hands on him too? I said, are you ready? And he hesitated. And then he said, yes. That hesitation is all the devil's looking for. This is an example. So you will know. You've got to walk in faith. Well, Don laid his hands on that man, and I commanded them demons to come out of him, and they did. And the man was instantly healed. We went to the meeting all afternoon, went home that night, and about 1 o'clock in the morning, Don woke up with a tremendous pain in both wrists. Guess where that devil went? It went from him to Don. And Don's here today. He's right back there. Don took him a while to get a hold of the fact what had happened. But about 1.30 in the morning, somewhere along there, the Holy Spirit finally got through to him that what happened? So Don set up and took Luke 10, 19, and 20, rebuked that devil and commanded him to leave, repented of his sins of unbelief. And when he did, that devil instantly left him and he's never had another pain in those wrists. So when you start casting out demons, you've got to make sure there's no doubt in your heart. Because if there's a doubt in your heart, that demon will come out of the person you kick it out of and he'll come into you. You don't play games. Just like yesterday, whenever Suzanne had her seizure right back there in the back corner. It was on a break. And she had a seizure. And she was just jerking and everything. Oh, they called me back there. I went back there, and one of the men that was back there was horrible, couch. And when I laid my hands on her, began to command those demons to come out. After the service was over, and he stayed to the end, it must have been 7 o'clock last night, he said, Thurman, did you see... What I saw every time you commanded them demons to leave her. I said, I didn't see nothing. He said, every time you commanded demons to leave, I could see those things. They were green and gray. 
but they would be leaving her. I could see them think. Every time you come in, the demons leave. I saw these green and gray demons leaving her. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Praise God. But we, we were only, it took only, what, five minutes, Sharon? You were back there. Maybe five minutes, and she was okay then. But I had to rebuke those demons over and over and over. And every time I did, they're leaving and leaving, and within about five minutes, she's okay. And then she was okay. So see, we think that it's terrible to have a demon. But Mary Magdalene had demons. Jesus cast them out of her, and she got set free. If you got demons, hey, I don't want to keep them beasts to you. If we worship and praise the King, He tells you that I give you power over the forces of darkness. But see, we don't worship Him and praise Him enough, so we don't get this power because we're disobedient. I, well, I don't want to worship the King. Oh yeah, I can come to church and raise my hands. Oh, no, no. I might be in church though, like hands raised. I raise it this high. Anybody looking? Forget it. God's not going to do nothing good for you. He expects you to not be ashamed of Him. Praise Him. You know, when you leave this place today, when you walk into a gas station, you ought to walk in. I pay the guy for my gas. I walk in and I say, praise the Lord. I said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm praising the King. I said, here, I owe you $20 or $40 or $50 or whatever it is. But praise God that I got the money to pay you. Praise the King. People say, what's wrong with this nut? Hey, ain't nothing wrong with this nut. Something wrong with you. Praise the King. You know what? When I lay hands on somebody like I did Edith that day, or like I did that day at Donald's with me down there at the fellowship, when I laid my hands on that man sitting at the bottom of them stairs, command them demons leave, and his corporal tunnel instantly left. Don't you love to see God do those kind of things? Well, if you're not willing to praise Him and love Him and worship Him, He ain't going to do that for you. Praise Him. Then look at Psalm 149. Let's see what he has to say here. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. That's us today. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Well, not only let Israel rejoice in God that made Israel, but did he make you too? Of course he did. So praise him. Verse 3. Let them praise his name in the dance. Dance? You mean I'm supposed to dance? What? I'm supposed to dance? I went to a deacon, or to a birthday, not a birthday, a marriage, a wedding, and the chairman of deacons, his daughter married a guy from another church, and they believed in dancing. And so his daughter asked him to dance with him the first dance at the reception. And after it's over, he came over to me and he said, Thurman, how am I going to respond to the church next week? Because several of them are here. I said, Bobby, when you get home tonight, read Psalms 149 and 50 and then just tell them you was doing what God told you to do. Don't fall to men. Do what God says. What did he say? You're supposed to praise his name in dance. Nothing wrong with dancing when you're dancing for the Lord. Now, where it's wrong is when you're out there on the dance floor somewhere and you're half drunk and you're rubbing yourself all over some woman or she's rubbing herself all over you. That's wrong. But when you're dancing for the Lord, it's a whole different world. Let them sing praises unto Him with the timbrel and the harp. So we got some instruments here. 
For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Oh my goodness, that means I can... So when I'm driving down the road singing, it's okay. If I'm laying in bed singing, it's okay. Is that right? In fact, he commands it, doesn't he? See? It's okay. Even when I was singing and praising the other day, I can only see the Lord. The other day, I told some of you all about this. When I, Thursday and Sundays was our fast day. But we only eat a couple of pieces of fruit on those days. So I had sliced an apple before I left the minister. So I'm coming to Dallas to get some stuff. And I'm driving down there, and I'm eating those little uh, apple slices. And I put one in my mouth. And I, this, uh, let me tell you, this is not really the time to do it. But I'm putting and chewing it, praising to the king, chewing and praising and singing all at the same time. And I bit right in the top of my tongue and like to bit it off. <laughs> so let me tell you, give you a word of wisdom. If you're going to eat the apple, eat the apple first. Get all of them out of your mouth and then sing and praise it. Don't try to do the same thing because uh, you might bite your tongue like I did. It took me a week to get healed. I'm telling you, it was awful. It hurt. It really did hurt. <laughs> yeah. In fact, what I finally showed you to Cheryl, I did something. I, I had my tongue out. She said, what's that thing on your tongue? I said, well, that's where I bit my tongue. She said, stick that out. Let me see it. I stuck it out. She said, honey, it's right in the middle of the top. I said, yeah, I don't know how I've done that either. <laughs> I don't know. All I know, I was chewing an apple, singing and praising God, and I bit the top of my tongue. So I really mean I had it thrown off over there in the side somehow. I don't know how I did that, but why? I had it wrapped around that apple or something. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let the high praises, verse 6, let the high praises of God be in your mouth as a two-edged sword in your hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people. Now see, when you're praising God and worshiping Him, you're executing judgment upon the devils of hell. God likes worship and praise, doesn't He? This will overcome your enemy. Worship and praise. And it will bind their kings and chains with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. All this is done to your enemy by praising the king. Worship and praise. Go, execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the temples and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I mean, did anybody get anything out of that that it's time for us to praise the King? Now, since we humbled ourselves in the beginning to pray for the people in Florida, I would like for us all, if you want to, but I don't force nobody to do nothing, but if you want to be obedient to this word, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and just raise your hands and tell Him you love Him. He's your God. Praise Him. Worship Him. Tell Him how much you appreciate the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our Lord. He's our God. Lord, we worship You. We praise you. We thank you. Lord, we can't. You said praise you in the sanctuary. Praise you everywhere we are. 
Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you are the King of kings. And Lord, everybody that gets saved, you save them. Everybody that gets healed, you heal them. Everybody that gets delivered, you deliver them. So, Father, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Lord, I praise you. I worship you for the privilege to be your son, to serve you, to be your humble servant. Lord, I want to be your humble servant. I love to see you do the great and mighty things you do. I praise you for all the deliverances, for all the salvations, for all the healings, for everything that you've done. Lord, I praise you for the privilege to be your son, to be your daughter. Lord, we praise you and worship you that you're our God and our Lord. How fortunate we are. We praise you and thank you. And we ask you to bless this country. We ask you to bless Florida. We ask you to bless all people. We ask you to lay upon our hearts the ability to go forth this week and to share with people where we work about how great you are and the wonderful things you do because you are a mighty God, the King of kings. And Lord, I ask you to, as people will step out and worship you and praise you, as they praise you, I ask you to do signs and miracles and wonders among them so that the people will know that they're serving you, the true God. Lord, you're so awesome. We praise you. We worship you. And we thank you for being our Lord and our God. Oh, we can't praise you enough. We just thank you, Lord. Lord, if we go forth this week, may your worship, may we worship you and may, may praise be in our lips and in our hearts constantly before you. May we not be ashamed to walk in somewhere and even to pay our bill or our restaurant bill or to bow our heads and be humble to praise you when we eat a meal or when we drink a glass of water. Walk up to a water fountain at work and say, Praise you, Lord. I ask you to bless this water to my physical body before I drink it. In the name of Jesus, go into a restaurant and hold hands with your mate. Don't be ashamed to tell your mate you love her. Lord, let us men and these women, let men and women love each other, wives and husbands, Lord, so that our prayers be not hindered. And Lord, let us do everything we do this week with no grumbling and no complaining. Because you said you send a destroyer to us when we grumble and complain. And Lord, I thank you for those words in Philippians 2.14 when you said do all things without grumbling and complaining. I thank you for those scriptures in 1 Corinthians 10 where you said if we don't do what you say, you will send the destroyer to us to destroy us. So I thank you, Lord, that you've done all these things in the Old Testament as examples to us so we don't make these same dumb, stupid mistakes. Lord, help us to praise you and worship you because you are worthy of our praise. And Lord, I thank you now that as the people will come forward in these prayer today, and Lord, that they have needs, you will give us the knowledge and wisdom and a revelation and understanding, to, and you will have already softened their hearts, so they will have repented of their sins, and they're praising you, so when we touch them or, or minister to them, all their needs will be met, and those that need healing, they will be healed. Those that need salvation will be saved. And those that have problems with their families, they will be reconciled and put back together. And the men will love their husbands, love their wives, and the wives will love their husbands. And may you do great and mighty things in the homes of your children as you bless us all this week. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.